2: With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today.
0: Good evening. Welcome to the Macca's run. Jordan Canella with you here on SEN. Good to be in your company on a Monday night to wrap up a big weekend of sport. That turned out to be a, a better weekend of sport than I anticipated. The shape of the ladder changed again this week with Carlton's loss and Richmond's win. The pivot points of round 20. The Commonwealth Games is going about as well as we would have hoped. While there were more... Uh, landmarks around the world in women's football, the special K's in tennis, Kyrgios and Kokonakis in the doubles and in the UFC as well, just to name a few. But a pretty big weekend overall and we're here to wrap it up on the Mackers run. Jordan Canellas here for Mackers Try Classic Angus at Mackers today. You can send us a text 0433 98 11 16, for temper, a mattress like no other. You can give us a call on the Harcourt's open line. Your move, your Harcourt's one 736 736. For the third week in a row, a Richmond game has been decided by someone impulsively playing on. However, this time they were the beneficiaries and it secured a win at the death rather than have it slip through their fingers. Darcy Gardner's play on under pressure and subsequent turnover means the Tigers stay in touch and keep their season alive. They beat the bottom rung West Coast in round 16. So if we put that to one side, a win's a win. We're not trying to diminish the win. But as far as major wins against good opponents go... This was their first big win since Carlton in round 14. That was six games ago, the Tigers. They're two points outside the top eight and have a better percentage than the Saints who are in eighth at the moment. So they still need to get the wins to jump above, uh, but the percentage is going all right once they get to uh, either level or above the teams uh, around them on the ladder. For Brisbane, though, well, what does it mean about the Lions? This is what David King had to say about Brisbane earlier today on SEN. All warts
1: get exposed against good teams and the finals have started early this year. It's it's as simple as that. And I think Chris Fagan would sit there today and think, wow, what are we? we? What's our big asset? If I said to you, why will Brisbane win it? What would you say? So why would all of a sudden this work for Brisbane, given that it hasn't worked for Geelong, it hasn't worked for Richmond? I don't know. I, I just think this comes back to the planning. So... You can say what you like. You can argue who wasn't there who was there and, oh, we got to 42 points up. You can. Dennis Pagan used to say you can talk like losers for as long as you like, but you'll continue to talk as losers. I don't know whether there's an, another option now because we're three weeks out from the final, so you've got to stick with this plan. But you've got to hope that Lockie Neal goes crazy to win the thing. And crazy is like 40 touches a week and, and 10, 10 score assists. So it's next level crazy. We we don't see next level crazy in finals.
0: So, I think it's a line through through Brisbane, a line through Brisbane from David King. What say you? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for temper. A mattress like no other. Are you ruling Brisbane out of the finals race? They sit in fifth on the ladder right now. Geelong are in first. Melbourne second. Collingwood and Sydney in the top four. Brisbane fifth. Fremantle sixth. Carlton seventh. St Kilda eight. That's the top eight as it looks right now with Richmond and the Western Bulldogs and Gold Coast, who are technically not out of the race, sitting in 11th on the table. Those teams, actually, so the teams in 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th now carry the most... Well, I say now, they probably already did, but they carry the most fascinating storyline in the final three weeks. The two higher-placed teams in that bunch, Carlton in 7th and St Kilda in 8th, they have the toughest runs home. So Carlton play Brisbane, Melbourne, and Collingwood. St Kilda face Geelong, Brisbane, and Sydney. The reality that those two teams might not win any more games is very possible. The two lower place teams have the easier run homes. So Richmond in ninth have Port Adelaide, Hawthorne and Essendon, while the Dogs in 10th have Fremantle and then the Giants and Hawthorne. Both of those teams could probably pick up at least two more wins and that would bring us down to a battle down the wire in the final round of the season. Technically, the Suns' season is still alive as well. They're on 36 points with Hawthorne, Geelong and North Melbourne to come. And even two wins from those three for the Suns could give them a shot if every other team above them loses. Port are gone. uh, Their season pretty much over now. They're a further game back. But that is the story of the battle between 7th to 10th. And I don't think we anticipated Carlton to be in this group at the moment. Uh, their loss on the weekend. Well, have they lost their bundle? The Blues are they at risk of derailing and missing the finals? They were all at sea. They were misshapen on Saturday night against the Crows. They haven't put a winning streak together since round rounds nine and ten. So that's a while ago now. That's uh, what's that? Ten weeks ago. And the loss to the Crows this weekend just gone was probably their worst loss for the season, not by margin, but by by way of who their opponents were. Michael Voss has done a phenomenal job to this point in the season to keep the Blues in the hunt for, well, top four for a while, considering their injury list. But now as those players return, the results haven't improved. This was the loss they couldn't afford to have with the tricky run home, as I mentioned before. That's all coming up. And now this is the toughest patch that Voss will need to navigate his season through. Starts with an away trip to his old club, Brisbane, as well, which should be fascinating this weekend on Sunday. I estimate one more win should be enough, you reckon, for Carlton doing it... Um, in the final three weeks of the season. But doing it against the Lions this weekend might be all they need. I'd hope that they get at least one win in the final stanza of the home and away. uh, But they'll have to beat a top five team in order to get there. So in the old argument of do you beat them or do you join them, well, Carton will have to beat one of them in order to join them. They have to beat one of those top five teams in order to join the rest of the crew in the finals. Again, on the Monday Means Test, this was David King's assessment of the Blues. That
1: was the most arrogant performance I've seen for a long time. They just thought they were going to turn up and they were going to get through the Adelaide Crows because of where they are on the AFL table. And I'm not saying the coach said that. I'm not saying the leader said that. They played like that. So how did it manifest in your eyes? Well, you could see it. I mean, there's, there's just it's just the desire indicators, you know, things like broken tackles, 23 broken tackles, which is a season high. They stepped through them. And it wasn't like they were walking through first gamers. It was Cripps. It was Walsh. Some of Walsh's defensive actions, he would be embarrassed about at the review today.
0: David King labelling the Blues as arrogant today. Blues fans, for you, which way will it go? Where does this last win come from? Does it come at all? I know a couple of uh, pessimistic Blues fans who don't think they'll win their final three games of the season. Brisbane, Melbourne and Collingwood to be those final three games. Do you pick up one of them? Do you pick up two of them? Do you pick up none of them? Which way does it go for you, Carlton fans? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 your move, your Harcourts. That's the talkback number. You can send us a text, 433 98 Collingwood earned yet another narrow win this weekend. Admittedly, it wasn't a close thriller to the same level of some of their other games prior, as they swelled a sturdy lead to around about four goals by three-quarter time. But towards the end of the game, well, Port did claw their way back and made them earn it with uh, some heart-pounding final minutes. Another spirited win for the Pies. I like this Magpies team. I like their hunger. I like their tenacity. I like their tackling pressure. I like their flair. It's all represented in more than just Jack Innovan, While he might be the most clear embodiment of all those qualities, it's more than just him. He might be the barometer, but there's a crew that snap at the heels of their opponents. As a team, I don't know which way they'll tip, though. They've done extremely well to balance along this tightrope of a nail-biting... Ten victories, ten straight victories. Which way do they fall once we get to September? Will they crash down in the finals when they face the reality of playing finals-ready teams in September who are ready to crush any opponent in the name of achieving success, particularly if Collingwood keep in the top four? Uh, You're thrown into an environment where you can't really afford to flirt with conceding runs of goals and leaving things till too late. Or do they excel as a unit? Do they get better? Do they find that extra gear? Do they find that new level of mongrel once you get into the finals? I'm really intrigued by this Collingwood team because it feels like third on the ladder seems a bit too ahead of time. While it's great, and I'm sure Collingwood fans are absolutely enjoying it right now and the, the winning run they've had, third on the ladder, no one expected this. Melbourne reaffirmed to us how good they can be when it all goes their way. Is one win in the wet away to the Dockers enough for us to rest easy on our judgment of the Ds? Maybe not for some people, but for me, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the Demons and what they've done in the previous couple of weeks. That win on Friday transforms the, the look uh, of their form line to a more favorable one in recent weeks. So since the bye, Melbourne have had four wins in six games, including wins against Brisbane, Port and Frio and two interstate victories as well. Uh, but their run home is where we'll see the real demons. This is crunch time now for them to gather momentum and go into the finals swinging. They've got Collingwood, Carlton, and then away to Brisbane to finish the season. So Melbourne's finals really starts now. They've got, I mean, these next three games won't determine if they make finals or not. They're in, they'll make finals, but they're playing finals teams in the last three rounds of the season before actually getting to the finals. So this is a a very important next patch here for for the Demons. And if it doesn't work for Melbourne, then Sydney could be the ones to benefit. So they earned their fourth win in a row on the weekend. They've won seven of their last nine matches. If the Demons do end up stumbling in that run home, so Collingwood, Carlton and Brisbane, just to re-establish for uh, for Melbourne, if they end up stumbling there, the Swans will be waiting, ready to pounce and maybe push for second place and a home qualifying final. They've got North Melbourne at home, Collingwood away, and St Kilda at home to finish the campaign, Sydney. Even if you don't consider the Swans as a bona fide flag threat just yet this season, they could be the ones to benefit from a lighter run home and end up slithering through the cracks to end up in second on the ladder by the end of the season. That would end up giving them great starting position for a deep run in the finals. It's kind of like, if you're a Formula 1 fan, it's kind of like a, a high to, to mid-ranged F1 car, qualifying on the front row of the grid out of nowhere. They might not be a fast enough car to go the journey and win the race, but that starting position could be enough to set them up for at least a top five finish and some pretty good points. That could be the Swans this season. They might not win the flag or win a prelim final. They might. There's every reason they could, but they might not. But they're giving themselves the best possible position. And if they make the most of a hypothetical Demon stumble, this is all because this is just speculation if the Ds were to stumble, but that could be them. They could set themselves up for a home qualifying final in the best results. And then today, David Mundy announced his retirement. He'll finish up at the end of the season. He's currently the oldest player in the league. He's spent 19 seasons in the AFL. He'll finish up with at least about 375 games to his name. He's on 371 right now. He's a brilliant and honest footballer. He's the ultra professional and playing the important roles right up to his final days as well. Not one to have his career extended by playing elsewhere out of position for the last few seasons, he's been one of my favourite players among the players outside of the team I support, and I think that's probably true for most football fans as well. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to send through a text for temper a mattress like no other. You can give us a call for Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts. One 736 three six seven three six. We'll take one call before we get to the break. Neil is with us from Port Mel- uh, yes, from Port Melbourne to have a chat about Brisbane. Hello, Neil. How's things? Very good, thanks, Shorty.
2: Um, I did have a, a, a couple of questions, though. I don't know whether you caught the game yesterday.
0: Yes, um, I saw most of it. I Go was ahead. just,
2: I was just querying. There was that umpiring decision where the the Brisbane player um, kicked the kicked the goal, and the umpire asked for a video review of whether the ball was touched. Yes, I think it was in the last quarter, and then when. The video review came up. It showed that the ball had clearly crossed the line, and the commentary that came over from the uh, from the um, from the adjudicator said that the, uh, watching the video, the ball has clearly crossed the line before it was touched. But then the then the goal was reversed because they said they found there was an infringement when they watched the, the video. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So, but they yes, that is correct. But they, but he he noticed. Well, he acknowledged the free kick even before they went to the review. So that was. So Noah Bolter, they had said that it's your free kick. Um, he was the one who who won the free kick, and I think it was Oscar McInerney who gave it away. And so they went to they. The, the umpire acknowledged that free kick was there before they went to the review. They went to the review, did the review, said it was a goal, and then overturned it anyway because the free kick had been paid prior. So. I don't know what I heard. Of, I think it was Andy Maher earlier said it, he, he might have thought that Noah Bolter was the forward and it would have been given to him, but it was obviously not the case. And yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't. I am totally perplexed by that.
2: Yeah, that was my. Yeah, that was my only concern because I. So it, it is not a rule that the ball that they can pick something up on the video review and then award a free kick. So it was definitely. I just don't know why they went to the review to see whether there was a goal or a point if there was a free kick. Mm. I was quite I was just didn't know what was going on. And and just further just in on top of um what you said about um about Brisbane and what their thoughts are. I, I I just it doesn't seem like uh I think it's probably not to do with the midfield. I think it's just more to do with the forward line. It just looks like I don't know when when they play those sorts of games they always look the same where they struggle. Uh, for long periods to get any sort of um, any sort of connection in the forward line.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the forward line seemed a little bit yeah, it did seem disjointed yesterday. And the other thing was, as 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 uh, dangerous and crafty as the smalls are, Richmond's defence had, had they had their number on the uh, on the smalls. Like McCarthy popped up here and there. Charlie Cameron had a goal or two, but for the most part, there wasn't any sustained excellence in that forward line from brisbane i think the richmond defense did a pretty decent job on those on those smalls. so there wasn't there wasn't any x factor to stand up the the talls were smothered i think joe danaher did all right in the first half but eric hipwood wasn't really in the game i think richmond's defense actually that was i mean further to, to brisbane just looking a little bit out of joint it was also richmond's excellence in, in the back line yep Thank All right. You. Thanks very much. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. Just uh, further to Neil's point as well. So on the free kick that was uh, that was awarded on the goal line was it even a free kick to Noah Bolter? I mean, it was it was um, it was a, a very slight. There were hands in the back, and there was maybe a little nudge from the side. But God, it was it looked pretty soft. That's a push. That's not really a push. From the umpires. we will take more of your calls and your thoughts on the other side of this, the Maccas Run. Try a Classic Angus at Maccas today. Jordan Canellis with you on SEN this Monday night.
2: Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today.
0: Jordan Canellas filling in for Sam Hargraves on the Maccas Run tonight. So we'll have Matt Rendell with us at half past. To wrap up the weekend of footy, we'll have an early edition of the first serve at 7pm and then on to Commonwealth Games coverage tonight. Live coverage coming your way on SEN from 8pm. But plenty of callers on the line, so we'll try and rattle through these. Tony is with us from Q to chat about the Cats. Hello, Tony.
3: Yeah, good evening, Jordan. Um, I used to have a bit of a, a quick chat with you, and I know you want to get a lot of people on the line, so I'll keep it brief. If you look at form and form alone in the last, you know, several weeks, there's only one club or one team that has any possibility of winning the Premiership in the spotlight has got to be hundred percent trained on Geelong. They've got elite players, they're in fantastic form, they've got a reasonable coach, and uh, I can't see any reason why Geelong isn't a clear favourite to win the Premiership based on all those considerations.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think Geelong, in in my mind, are the clear favourite. If I was to rank the teams uh, like they do with the seedings, I would have Geelong at number one. That doesn't mean I'm ruling out the likes of Melbourne or Sydney or even Brisbane, but I think Geelong are the number one seed just by... This is the middle middle phase of the season is some of the hardest... uh, Hardest wins you'll get in a season because of uh because of conditions. It's often wet and rainy and it's not easy to play football. It's injuries as well by the middle point of the season. You you're getting injuries, you're getting players missing games. Um and Geelong have had that as well. They've had some key players missing. Not not as many as some other clubs, but you did have Tom Stewart out, just to name one. Um uh, and 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 they've managed, they've survived all that, that, that tough, sort of dim slog of the middle part of of the season. They've done all that. Geelong have been We've spoken about them before as being a great home-and-away team, but it goes missing during finals. But I think this team is different this year. It just feels different. They they have more uh, potency in attack. They're still great in defence as well. I think this this Geelong team deserves to be number one, and it feels like they've got a bit of a difference about them this year compared to previous.
3: I totally agree with you, Jordan. And uh, um, the issue is this. If they don't go on and become premiers this year, it would be
0: catastrophic. <laughs> would you say? I like the play on words. Would you say this is? I, I feel like every year we say, "Oh, this is Geelong's last chance." But how can it be their last chance when they are when they are looking so good this season? So, how many more seasons can Geelong perhaps challenge for the flag, Tony?
3: Well, some of their players are getting older. I mean, as we know, Dangerfield is a, a brilliant player, but you know, everybody has. Has a, 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 an end point in their career. I don't think he can get better than what he is. That's why I'm saying that you know, the planets are aligning for Geelong. Mm-hmm. They've been there and done that in finals and lead ups, and yes, they've failed in, on previous seasons. But uh, I think the scrutiny has got to be fairly and squarely on their shoulders. Forget about the Collingwoods and the Melbournes and any of the others. Geelong, the spotlight has got to be on Geelong. And if they fail, it will send. Uh, it would just be a complete nutter disaster, as far as I'm concerned, because mm-hmm. there's no team at the moment that has been so dominant across the board as Geelong. So, if they've proven to be that good coming into the finals, and they'll make the grand if they make the grand final, then I don't think they can afford to drop it. I yep. really don't.
0: Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Tony from Thank Q. You. Thank you, Tony from Q on the Harcourts Open Line. Your move, your hardcourts. So we've got time just enough for one more caller. Joe from Point Cook. Evening, Joe. How are you going? Good. Uh, the Tigers on your mind?
3: Yeah, my mates think I'm a bit crazy. I'm a Hawk supporter but I reckon the Tigers are going to come good at the pointy end of the season and celebrate once again on the big So I reckon. Uh-huh. like They've lost a couple of games obviously just due to uh, poor finishing and unluckiness, but I reckon luck's starting to turn and it just showed on the weekend and I'd actually be worried if they just make it 7th or 8th, I reckon they'll do a doggies and just go right through and shock the side. They know exactly what to do come finals. Yes. And their players be coming back prime and early. Dusty will be ready for finals and Probably another normie on his around his neck, and then off to Sydney.
0: <laughs> another Norm Smith for Dusty. Uh, I don't know if I'd put my money on that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past the Tigers being a threat in the finals. I don't know if they'll win the flag, but if you look at it from the perspective that, well, they've had four uh, matches or four four losses and a, three losses and a draw in the last month or so, where it came down to just one play um, that they could have swung the game to from being a, an adverse result to being a win. Uh, then they'd be on 14 wins right now and they'd be in the top four. So if you're looking at it from that kind of view and you're being optimistic about it, then you can certainly take that view, Joe. But um, but then also the other way you could go, well, they should have won those games earlier in the match rather than just the final play of the game. So what about the rest of the one hundred you know fifty minutes of the match instead of just the last minute? They should have won the games earlier. But I appreciate your point of view, Joe, in Point Cook. The Macca's run here on SEN. Try a classic Angus at Macca's today. The Tigers... In the bottom four, or the bottom four of the top eight. So if they make, let's say they make it and St Kilda are the ones to miss out on the current ladder, the, the Tigers and Carlton will be the teams that I'd be most most concerned about. Macca's run continues next. Matt Rendell will be with us. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Jordan Cannella's with you this evening, filling in for Sam Hargraves. ninety eight. Eleven sixteen If you'd like to send through a text, as a couple have done, uh, one says the Pies will crash and burn. Nearly all of their victories were close, and against bottom seven sides, even lost to the Eagles. Says one. So not f- no faith shown in Collingwood for the finals from that particular -er. SMSer. the Blues haven't lost two games in a row all season. They'll win this week against the Flaky Lions. Travis says half the so-called experts didn't have Geelong making the final eight at the start of the season. And Ross says, "Uh, do teams who play other teams lower on the ladder and win stumble into high positions? Flawed as the draw is, a team's position is the result of a year's work, not the last few rounds. The Swans have played and beaten Geelong, Melbourne and other top teams earlier in the year david king rates the swans a second seed right now says ross i probably use the word stumble more as a uh as an analogy or a metaphor or whatever you want to say just because at the start of the season and for the most part of the the first half of the season we were all establishing sort of geelong melbourne probably carlton to a point as well brisbane as and then Fremantle who had a great start to the season as their as our top four so it was more the fact that Probably more accurately, other teams had, had stumbled around Sydney, but um, the point I was making was they kind of just ex- ended up in the top four um, uh, when we might not have expected that totally from the start of the season. So that's, that's the point but probably with a bit more accuracy I was trying to make because we didn't totally expect Sydney to be right here right now. But here they are and potentially... Everything goes their way, finishing second on the ladder, which I don't think many people would have predicted at the start of the season or even mid-season. Matt Randell is our expert on a Monday night here on the Maccas Run. Try Classic Angus at Maccas today. Evening to you, Matt. How's things?
4: G'day, Jordan. How you going, Marty? This is, this is a morning. Uh, Dave took the spot on 40 SA, uh, but we, uh, <laughs> we had a great morning.
0: I'm sure he was great as Ooh. well. He's a professional DK. Ooh. He
4: is. He is Dave Kennedy. He, is, he was excellent. Went smoothly.
0: Excellent. Mm. Uh, let's chat about the weekend's footy and some of yeah, the. Uh, there was where do you a,
4: want to
3: start?
0: Well, there was a bit of there was a bit of shuffling, wasn't there, in the way the ladder is. And I don't think we. Uh, no one really expected or anticipated Carlton to be almost in a race for the eight. Now they're sitting in seventh on the ladder, yeah. and they've got a pretty tough run home. I know a couple of pessimistic Carlton fans who aren't uh, aren't all that uh, faithful. They'll win any of their last three games, which means they could miss finals as as a worst. Um, as as a worst outcome, but where do you see the Carlton's uh, Carlton's fortunes right now?
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. We we had a big discussion on that yesterday morning. Um, Adelaide's pressure rating, uh, that herbs and spices from Champion Data that no, they won't tell us what it means or how they work it out. Uh, their pressure rating was two hundred and seventy odd uh, Adelaide against Carlton. Um, really hard to deal with a pressure rating of that high that high, uh, Carlton, and they couldn't deal with it. Uh, we saw the week before Swans had 300-plus against Adelaide, and Adelaide produced a 288 in the second quarter. So we know they're capable of putting a lot of pressure on. Uh, put, Carlton weren't ready for Adelaide's pressure. Um, now, if I said to you that uh, Cripps and Walsh get 40-plus possessions each and they still lose... yeah. That's a bit of a worry for me, Jordan. Uh, But the two blokes who played super well uh, was uh, Butts and Murray playing on um, Kurnow and or Mm. Mackay. They really, I know uh, Kurnow kicked a couple, but, you know, they were loose balls on the ground. He never got on the lead. He never took a mark. Uh, Murray was, Murray's improving by the week as a key back. He looks to me to be a future All-Australian. He's not going to get 20 possessions there, Jordan, but by Christ, it's hard to get a a kick on him and a goal on him, and Butts has been great for two years. So, um, yeah, they're in a real bind here because they've got three tough games, um, not quite functioning right, and Adelaide did something to Carlton that no-one has done all year, and it really bamboozled them. They put keys onto Sard. So Sard playing as a running back and he's been killing it really. They put Keys on him and and Sard had no idea how to play on Keys. Keys is really fit in a runner. Sard's endurance is not his strength. His pace is, his kicking in that. But uh, a really interesting move. I'm going to watch and see if other clubs do this mm. because he is the springboard out of defence and it really bamboozled him on the weekend. Uh, Keys was virtually BOG, I would have thought. Kick three, gave probably a couple away, but he was dangerous up there. Really interesting watch that one um, with Carlton. They need to find someone else to help Saad get the ball out of the fence.
0: David King today said Carlton were arrogant. Did Do you feel like they almost uh, wa- walked into that game expecting to win?
4: No, he, he spoke about... Um, I, saw, I read that about uh, broken tackles and all that, and, you know, from some of their senior players. Uh, I'm not so sure the arrogance... But, Crows have been playing like this for quite a while. Mm. High tempo, lots of pressure, numbers around the ball. They are a dangerous side to play against. And I, you know, the Swans even felt it last week. I mean, they dominate. What, they kicked nine goals to two in the first quarter. It got back to three goals and Swans were panicking. So I think Kingy, because he's potted their list unmercifully with Kane Corns, I think he just underestimated the uh, the crows. I reckon they're way better than their position well the ladder tells you.
0: The Tigers were the other ones who helped shape that uh, that battle oh, for the top eight. And as one of our text messages says, uh, he says a lot of experts keep saying you wouldn't want to face Richmond in finals. I think this is uh, the re- I think these are the reasons why. But why would you? Can you please expand? And he goes on to list um, some of the the close losses and close wins that the Tigers have had. Uh, they've been in all games in the last quarter except for uh, Melbourne. Ooh. Says this SMSO, which is all all factual. Uh, should teams still fear Richmond and why?
4: Yeah, they should. Um, I, I assume Dusty comes back in the next couple of weeks. Looks like Grimes is out for the finals if they make the finals, which is a major blow. Yeah, they have got uh, they have got backup there, so uh, Bolter can go back there. Um, and help out. He did ruck forward, I think, on the weekend. So, uh, they've got their key forwards back. Uh, Bolton's in... Here um, Dusty's the key here. so they can get him back, I don't know where he's at. Uh, they're not saying much. So they need him back badly. Um, and, if they get him back and Grimes comes back to the finals here, you don't want to play. Oh, oh,
3: These
4: have been a funny side, haven't they? Look, they were seven goals down, looked like they were going to get down by 20. And then, um, they come back and win the game. I don't know if it was so much them or so much Brisbane who uh, were all dis- disappointing in the player They really didn't want to lose. They didn't want to lose Bailey at a crucial time. And God, I don't know what they were doing with their medisub, sub, having fought as a medisub. sub, <laughs> yeah. um, needed a runner because they they lack runners, Brisbane. You know they've really got uh, the two blokes in their team who can break open or run lines is Zorko and, and Bailey, and they don't. They didn't want to lose Bailey. They haven't got anyone else, really. who can break the lines. Uh, Caden Coleman doesn't break the lines. Good player. And Rich, I know he wasn't playing, but also so he doesn't break the lines. He can kick over them, but um, that's their Achilles' Hill, Brisbane lines. But Richmond, yeah, if they can get in... You can't predict what's going to happen here with the last three rounds. This is ridiculous that, you know... Carlton are vulnerable. Uh, Freo are vulnerable. Um, so uh, it's a really interesting last year. It's been a fantastic year, Jordan. The whole year, you, you don't know what's happening game to game, week to week. It's been enormous.
0: Does it feel like the, And emotion is, uh, is pretty universal across football, whether we sort of acknowledge it or realise yeah. it at the time, but we sort of know it subconsciously that uh, emotion and uh, momentum and a groundswell can help teams back into matches, helps swing the momentum in their favour. And the Tigers, yeah. are the Tigers the sort of team, especially when they play at the MCG, which is sort of, you know, that's stating the bleeding obvious, but are they, are they a team more than anyone else who plays the most on emotion?
4: And then uh, they got an dangerous brand of footy. It's, it's you know, the, um, Jake wrote a great article on the age the other week. I might've given him a little bit of help because I've been banging on about this for ages. <laughs> they play a great band, brand of footy where, you know, when they get rolling, it's hard to stop. It's numbers around the... Ball. I'm, you know, we've watched Richmond over the last five years and you won't go watch Collingwood where Leppich and and, uh, and Fly have been. And I'm I'm watching uh, another version of Richmond playing in, in Collingwood. That surge off the back. Uh, but it's getting the ball because they've got numbers around the ball where it's important. Um, so that's... What they say. But... What's happened to Richmond this year is that they've got scored on a lot of years than they have in the past, uh, which is a bit of a way for them. Um, But, yeah, I I still wouldn't like to be playing them in a final.
0: Uh, Sydney, let's head head outside of Victoria for a moment. The Sydney Swans are on a tear at the moment. They've won four games in a row. They've won, I think, seven of their last nine games. They've lost to Essendon and put Adelaide in that time as well. They've got a pretty good run home as well with North Melbourne, Collingwood and St Kilda. So they could... As I was saying before, if Melbourne stumble in their final uh, three matches, which is Collingwood, Carlton and Brisbane for Melbourne, well, then Sydney yeah. could potentially be in second and set themselves up for a great run in the finals if they get that home qualifier. Um, yeah. The Sydney Swans, are they are they that highly rated for you in the premiership favouritism? Um,
4: I, I had them probably... They're probably not quite ready yet. I had them that all year. They're not quite ready yet. My biggest worry with the Swans is... I think they're a midfielder short. Uh, heavy reliance on a 21-year-old Warner and Parker. Uh, they're playing Papley up there in, in the in the midfield. He's been going alright. lot. Uh, my biggest worry for them was if Buddy gets injured again, and you know, he's had a history of uh, the last few years of, of injury, uh, that are they going to be good enough in their forward line to score enough? Now, we know they've got really good players like Heaney and Haywood as well, but their backup tools... Uh, and Reed's had a good year too, but their backup tools are not the best defenders because uh, the best defender at the moment is playing on Buddy. So that was my worry for him, but Buddy looks in ripping nick. Uh, Buddy could have a great final series, and, and Sydney could do some real damage. Um, they need the McCartan brothers to hold up and Rampy, so they lost all those blokes last year with injuries. So obviously, they uh, didn't play, Rampy missed the whole year. Um, uh, Buddy missed basically the whole year. Uh, Heaney missed a fair whack with, I think it was a finger injury, if I can remember correctly. Um, they had no midfield. Um, so, uh, yeah, they've got them all back and they've got them all firing. They're, uh, you don't want to play them up in Sydney, do you? So um, that's crucial for them, that top, if they can get in the top two and then they have to play the third side up in Sydney. That's a big bonus to go straight into the uh, preliminary final for them.
0: And on Friday night, Melbourne, how much did that win maybe put uh, put at ease or help pl- placate some of those who might have carried doubts around Melbourne? Their form line recently hasn't been that bad when you really stack it up from the bye onwards. They've only lost two games yeah. from the bye and won the other four, plus a couple of interstate wins, a couple of big wins there against Brisbane oh. and Port Adelaide. Fremantle now as well. Losses to the Cats and the Dogs. But Melbourne... This is their finals. Really starts now, doesn't it? They play top eight teams in the run home. But yeah. as far as what we saw on Friday night, um, is that uh, is that more like Melbourne? Does it help put to ease maybe some doubts that we had?
4: Um, look, they they looked on Friday night like this is back to the Melbourne of old. But uh, still, their forward line didn't function great. Their defence won in the game. They kept three out of five nine. But uh, Freo's forward line is always a bit of a problem. So, um, you know, their defence has been great all year and their midfield's been super. But Freo looked to me like uh, uh, Brayshaw and Sorol, you know, they're 21, 22 year olds, have shouldered a lot of the responsibility. Mundy, a little bit, and Brody, which didn't see coming, but they just haven't got enough mids, Freo, to carry this through the end of the season. Uh, they're doing a super job, but they're, they're minus sat and their forward line, well, is horribly out of form. Lobb's hot and cold. Walters is hot and cold. Um, they they really haven't got enough there to cause some havoc. And these, these defence is great. They, well, they played them on, on a break, the the 0 forward line. Uh, that was too easy for them. Their forward line's still a major worry. They can't get any tools uh, going there. But I'm assured that Tom McDonald will be back before the final. So we thought that he might be off for the year, but I think he's going to be back before the finals. He's crucial now. Um, ben Brown will play next week, I think, which probably means Wiedemann comes out. But uh, Ben Brown, McDonald, Fridge, uh, they're back to their Premiership winning forward line uh, at the right time of the year. And this is the time of the year they really played their best. And just... uh, Saints is the interesting one. Yeah, just quickly, Saints is the interesting one. The ball, they're in the eight. The ball's in their court. They're hard to read. Uh for hannabury playing on the weekend, but I did a little bit of homework here, Jordan. Hanaberry's played, if he plays the last three games, uh, don't count finals. It means he's played 20 games in five years. This is his fifth year, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know what it's worked out to? 200000 a game. <laughs> <laughs> <to Haddenberry. Jeez. laughs> Two hundred large a game for Adam if he plays the last three of the year. Uh,
0: <laughs> Actually, I didn't mind him on the weekend. I called that game. I thought he was... Uh, he was yeah, no,
4: he's okay. He
0: was—he yeah, went in and a million he, miles an hour, <laughs> playing as hard yeah, as nails know, as always. He,
4: he was great. The bit I saw when there were crossovers. Isn't it? And the other really interesting watch is the Ken Hinckley watch at Port Adelaide. Mm. Um, they're going to miss the finals now. Yep. Um, he'll get asked about North and, and GWS jobs coaching a year to go. Uh, the a discussion, you know, they'll obviously, if they're interested and they're keen, they'll get, offer him a three-year contract. And he's got one year left at uh, Port. So I'm interested to see where that goes. a big watch there on the Hinkley and Port Adelaide coaching
0: role. Matt, one last one before I let you go. This was uh, David Mundy speaking today, uh, asking how he'd like to be remembered. Oh, I don't need to be remembered. I just came in and played my part and did my role. A simple answer for a straightforward but effective footballer who probably went understated throughout his entire career. He'll end up playing uh, about 375 games or so, depending on how deep the, the Dockers go in the finals. But um, a word on David Mundy, his career. For me personally, I don't oh, follow, follow the Dockers, but he's he's one of my favourite players outside of the team I support.
4: Yeah, you've got to love that bloke. You just love his demeanour, the way he goes about it. You know, how many? 375. Has is, is he ever played a poor one? I can't remember him playing a poor one. He might not have been a star, out-and-out out star, but, um, you know, like, oh, uh, you won I think he, he did poll one in, in Brownlow one year, but... He puts him week in, week out. That's all you can ask of anyone. Uh, he's a credit to himself <clears throat> how well he's gone. And uh, is he more of a favourite son than Pav at Freo? Uh, possibility. Possibly. I've got a, um, My, my producer's a, a Docker son. supporter.
0: Hang on. Is is David Mundy uh, more of a favourite son than Pav, yes or no? Yes. Thumbs up from the Dockers producer here. He Thumbs is. up.
4: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, I thought as much. I mean, he is so loved by, you know, you've had a great career when the opposition people love you to death. Yeah. Um, and um, credit to him, we're going to miss him. Yeah. Uh, love, you know, that uh, that hairstyle hasn't changed much, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's going to disappear pretty quick, I see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, always a pleasure to have a chat to you. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll speak again soon.
4: Thank you, Jordan. Uh,
0: Matt Rendell with us, uh, our Monday night expert here on the Macca's run and you can send through your text messages, 0433 98 1116, if you have any final thoughts. Thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other, and uh, thank you to Link, who gave us the all clear as well from a Dockers perspective, our producer here on the Macca's Run. We'll take our final break here on SEN. Jordan Canellas with you, uh, send through your text messages. We'll head around the globe and see what's been happening around the sporting world uh, to wrap things up on the Macca's Run tonight. First serve coming up next, and then we take you to Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games from 8pm Eastern Standard Time here on SEN. So we're just over an hour away from getting uh, you to the live coverage of the Com Games. That'll be later on, the first serve after this. But one more segment of Macca's Run next. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Jordan Kanellis here finishing things up for you. The first serve not far away uh, on SCN. The Com Games live coverage coming your way from 8pm right across the nation on SCN. You can uh, tune in at any time when the games are on, obviously. It's not on during the day. uh, But during the night, if there's other programming on, it'll always be there for you on SCN Fanatics. You can listen on the app couple of bits of uh, – some highlights from the weekend of sport all around the world. England won their first major football trophy in 56 years this morning. Now, I have no personal ties to England, no family there. I've never lived there. I'm not English by any, by any uh, lineage. So this means nothing to me directly. But I stayed up until 5 a.m. this morning watching the English women's football team, the Lionesses, uh, do what the men's team have repeatedly failed to do since 1966 and win a tournament – uh, they took out the women's Euros with the 2-1 win in extra time against the powerhouse Germany. If you can get to the highlights, check out the first goal from Ella Toon, a 22-year-old who had the audacity to outrageously chip the goalkeeper uh, to open the scoring for England. And then the wild celebrations when they won the trophy with its coming home uh, blaring out around London at long last. But more importantly for this match, it was played in front of 87,000 people at Wembley Stadium. It was on mainstream TV all across England and has been the centre of the footballing world and at the centre of English culture and life for the last week through the knockout phase. English and European celebrities and former footballers and everyone else was tweeting about it, commenting about it. It sets things up nicely from our perspective for the World Cup next year in Australia and New Zealand. The quality of football has reached another level in Europe. Time zones makes it a bit difficult to watch uh, international football, both men's and women's, in the middle of the night, but from the last time I checked in with what the European nations were doing uh, in the women's game, which was at the Olympics last year, to now, I've become far more worried as a Matilda's fan for what awaits the green and gold on home soil in twelve months. Hopefully, what happens this morning serves as a wake-up call for our coach Tony Gustafson to set things in stone for Australia and quit experimenting with the Matildas this close to a World Cup. The Com Games enjoyed its first weekend in Australia are blitzing the field. Uh, my sport of choice yesterday was track cycling at the Velodrome where th- there's a new retro man about town, Matthew Richardson, the 23-year-old from WA. He rode himself into gold in the sprints uh, against the best sprint cyclists in the world, Nicholas Paul from Trinidad and Tobago. Emma McKeon won the, her 11th gold medal to be the most successful Com Games athlete of all time and is rapidly hurtling towards becoming one of Australia's greatest ever athlete, full stop. And for the rest of the sport on the weekend, the special case had a triumph in Atlanta. Kyrios and Kokanakis defeating the other all-Aussie pair of Kubla and Piers to win another doubles trophy, but I'll let BP tell you more about that after seven. Uh, The Melbourne Storm halted a four-game losing streak. They were victors finally this weekend over the New Zealand Warriors, but the upsets were the Eels over the Panthers and the Tigers upsetting the Brisbane Broncos. Amanda Nunez reaffirmed herself as the greatest UFC women's fighter of all time in probably, frankly, what was the most entertaining uh, five rounds of sport on the weekend when she defeated Juliana Pena at UFC 277. That's it for the Macca's run. First serve up after this. See ya.